The book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. Nehemiah, the sixth chapter. Nehemiah was quite an executive. In this, uh, the beginning of this chapter, you have the compromise temptation. They wanted him to compromise on a lot of things, and Nehemiah was a man that wanted to do what God's will was, and he wasn't much of a compromiser. He just knew his own mind, and he knew God's work, and he would stick to the work. So if you look at the sixth chapter, let's notice this, if you will. Verse 1, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, here's three of the outstanding enemies of Nehemiah and the people's work. Three of them. And the rest of our enemies, there were not just a few, but there was others. You know, when you have three ringleaders, and then you always have a few followers, and it says the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages and plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. You know, Nehemiah was a man of insight, and he could see through this. These fellows wanted him to meet with them. Ono was about 25 miles away, and in those days, it, you know, 25 miles was either foot or horseback or, or chariot or some kind of transportation had to get there, and they had to meet. And Nehemiah was doing a great work. In verse 3 it says, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Now, what they wanted to talk about, they were outright enemies of God's work. I mean, why do we want to go and discuss something with an enemy of God's work? Nehemiah had good sense there, didn't he? Why would he want to go someplace and discuss a situation that had no bearing whatsoever upon what he was doing, except to criticize it and to try to destroy it. Sometimes it's better not to counsel with those kind of guys, and that's what they were after. And Nehemiah knew his own mind, and he was not about to do that. He was entirely devoted to the work that he was doing. This was a plot to trap him in a snare with subtlety. They were using a subtle way to try to entrap him in a snare and say, why don't you come down, Nehemiah, you leave the work there that you're doing, and come down and discuss. What are you going to discuss if there's nothing to discuss? What are you going to discuss with enemies that don't want you to do the work of God? There's nothing to discuss, really, is there? And Nehemiah could see that right away. He knew that it was a plot to trap him into a snare, and he would have nothing to do with it. He did not even say, I'll think about it. Sometimes we say, well, I'll think about it, and that leaves the door open for further discussion whether or not you'll come. Sometimes you have to say, no, I'm not going. You know, Christians, it's hard for a Christian to say no. By the way, it's hard for a lot of folks to say no. But in this case, he, he said and did the right thing. We'll see as the, we progress in this sixth chapter that it was the right thing for him to do. He says, I am not coming down. He knew that his work was important. I'm doing a great work. Every work must be great that God that has God in it, and he knew that God was in this. And he knew the danger of coming down. Why should we come down? Why should the work cease, he says? It's more honorable to work than to talk about it. And he knew that he was not coming down. Notice in verse 3, and I, let's read it again. It says, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? whilst I leave it and come down to you. Why? Give me a reason that I should come down and talk about this situation anyway. It's always a coming down on the part of a Christian to cease to work and to contend and, and to uh, combat when there's nothing that you should, you should be contending for. Now, the Bible does tell us that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. 
in the book of Jude. But when there's no contending for the faith, when it's just uh, for contention only and combat only, why should we come down? It's always a coming down because disputings are the breed swamps of division. When you start disputing, it's the breed swamp of division. And we don't want division. We come down when we stop to answer the attack from any source. When we start uh, trying to answer the attack from any source, we're coming down. We come down when we strike back. Someone says, I'm going to get even. Suppose Nehemiah said, I know what these guys are up to. And then he'd just strike back and start fighting. Well, what's the fight all about? He was doing a great work. He said, I cannot come down. Remember, they told Jesus to come down from the cross. And he was doing a great work. He was doing a work for our salvation, our redemption, and he would not come down. They said, come down from the cross and we will believe you. What did Jesus say? He just stayed where he was. And he kept on with the sacrifice on the cross for the salvation of our souls, for the sins of the world. Had He come down, we wouldn't have any uh, redemption or redemptive work accomplished because He's the only one that could do it. In a sense, Nehemiah was the only one that could do this work because he was God called and God chosen for this great work. And we come down when we uh, lay down our trowel and our sword and uh, or trial and take up the sword, unless that sword be the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Remember, they were armed. They had a sword in one hand. They had a trial in the other. And they worked around the wall. And they were doing the job that God wanted them to do. In verse uh, 4, it says, Yet they sent unto me four times after this sword. Look at verse 4. They sent to me four times after this sword, with the same message. Come down and listen. Talk about it and compromise. And I answered them after the same manner. See, Nehemiah was not a man that changed his mind about how to deal with these enemies of God's work. He stood exactly the same place after four or five times. It didn't make any difference how, how many times they asked him. He still was there, the same place. He was still steadfast. The Bible says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So be steadfast. Verse 4 says, Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. And it says in verse 5, Then then sent Sanballat his servants unto me, in like manner, the fifth time, and an open letter, an open letter in his hand. Now then, beginning with verse 6, well, really verse 5, when this open letter comes, through verse 7, we have... The evil rumor temptation. The first was the compromise temptation. And now here's the evil rumor. It's what they say and what they're talking about that causes the problem. And so in this open letter, verse 5, that was in his hand, verse 6 says, wherein was written. Here's what was written. It is reported among the heathen, and Gazmu saith it, this is gossip, that thou and the Jews think to rebel. They accused him of rebelling against the king. For which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. said, Nehemiah, the reason you're doing this, in this open letter, says that you're rebelling against the king, and you want to be king. And that's why you're building the walls of this city, Jerusalem. They sought to misjudge and misrepresents, misrepresent his motive for what he was doing. You know, I don't mind being judged, but I hate for people to judge my motives in doing it. I can be judged about failures and faults and shortcomings in every direction, but my motive for doing the thing that I do, I don't like to be judged. And so they were judging his, misjudging his motives. They say, you want to be king. You're rebelling against the king. That's why you're doing this. In verse 7, And thou hast appointed prophets to preach of thee, to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now, 
And now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then I sent unto him, saying, Now look how Nehemiah handled this evil rumor temptation. It says, Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. Nehemiah knew where they came from. He knew exactly. He says, you feign this, you're thinking this out of your own heart. If we bring you something out of God's Word, that's what God says. But if we think it out of our own heart and feignest it, feignest it out of thine own heart. Nehemiah was a man of discernment. He could tell when someone was trying to do him in. You know, there's in the Old Testament, back in the Kings and Chronicles, there's that fifth rib syndrome. You know what the fifth rib syndrome is? He comes and puts his arm around you like that real tight and he has a sword and it goes right between it goes between the fourth and fifth rib. That happened a couple of times. You read it. Say, oh, I love you to death. Wham. That's what they call that. And here, Nehemiah had enough sense to know what they were up to. Notice what it says. There are no such things as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. So what else did Nehemiah do? What does it say in verse 9? In all of this, what he did was pray. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, God, strengthen my hands. What was the concern about Nehemiah in the midst of this uh, problem? Made afraid. Fear. You can conquer your fears. We must know the nature of our dangers. Nehemiah knew his enemy's threats. If you're going to conquer your fears, you must know where the fear comes from. What is the nature of your danger? We must know the nature of our defenses. His defenses was in the Lord. Your defense and mine is in the Lord. Through prayer and uh, continuous, courageous work, you'll overcome it. We must know how to conquer our fears. There are three ways. Constructive labor helps us to vanquish fear. Just keep on working. Well, people say, I don't like that. Well, just keep on working. Regardless. The enemies did not like it. But just keep on working. Keep on praying. And Nehemiah, and by the way, constant prayer will overcome fear. We fear when we do not pray. And clear thinking is needed to dispel our fears. He refused to confer or compromise with known enemies. He was not worn down by repeated temptations. And he boldly denied the false and dangerous insinuations. He says, you have feigned this out of your own heart. Nehemiah was really an executive. He knew how to handle bad situations. And sooner or later in lifetime, you and I will have to learn how to handle bad situations. Most everyone has to deal with them from time to time. And you have to learn how to handle them. And it says uh, in verse 9, For they all made us afraid. Remember old FDR said, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, said there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, sometimes there's that plus a few more things to be afraid of. He was almost right. But anyway, when you have fears, when people try to make you afraid, you keep your faith in God. Their hands shall be weakened from the work was what they had hoped that it be not done. And so he says, weaken? No. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. You see, the devil wants to weaken your hands in the work of God. Satan wants to weaken your hands. But the prayer of Nehemiah was, now therefore, he knew he was needed strength. O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah the son of Mehitabal, who was shut up. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us shut uh, the uh, doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. He was trying to get Nehemiah to be afraid for his life and to cowardly seek refuge in the temple 
take the coward's way out. He could find it there, but he wanted Nehemiah to take that way out. To walk off in a, in a cowardly way and try to escape, Nehemiah was not that kind of a man. He'd rather die than to go in and try to seek refuge in this way. It's true he could find it, but he would show his cowardice of his uh, manhood. And he didn't want to show that. He, didn't, he wasn't that kind of a man in the first place. Nehemiah, who had the name of a prophet, tempted Nehemiah. And you know, error when presented by religious people is more difficult to detect. Error that's presented by religious people is more difficult to detect. A lot of error goes under the, the guise of, let's say, Christianity. A lot of error. And it's very difficult to detect because everyone says, well, aren't we all going to the same place and we just take a different way? I'm not so sure about that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So flee into the temple. You know, in Second Corinthians 11, verse 13 through 15, Paul says that, even Satan himself appears as an angel of light. A lot of folks are looking for the devil with a red, big red suit, fire engine red suit, with pointed ears and a pitchfork tail, and they're going around saying, I'm the devil. He doesn't do that. Jesus said that false prophets and false teachers shall come to you and false Christ as wolves in sheep's clothing. Not in wolves' clothing, but in sheep's clothing. You look at Second Corinthians 11, if you will. Second Corinthians 11. If you have time to turn there. Let's read this. Chapter 11, verse 13. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. It says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, look at this, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Even in Paul's day, when there were a limited number of apostles, but there were others that transformed themselves into apostles of Christ. In verse 14, and he says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. What? Then, it says, Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their work. It's according to their works that they will answer. Okay, back in our text in Nehemiah, if you will quickly, chapter 6 and verse 11. After uh, Shehemiah wanted him to flee into the temple and run for his life, so to speak. Let's just put it that way. Run for his life and try to get away from all the problems because everyone, they were out to kill him. By the way, they, they meant business. His enemies were not to be toyed with. These guys were real, and they were real enemies. Sometimes we do not realize the sincerity of the opposition. And it says in verse 11, And I said, what did Nehemiah say? I said, such, should, such, should such a man as I flee. That's a tongue twister. Should such a man as I flee. And who is there? that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. Another steadfast resistance on the part of Nehemiah. You say, well, he was against everything with these guys. Well, he had nothing in common with them. I mean, brother, you don't have to compromise with uh, evil on every side and with the opposition. Why? Remember, they came to him four times and his answer was still after the same manner. Way back there. He didn't change his mind on every turn of the road. He still stood where he stood. And it says... Here, that I'm, who's such a man as I, would he flee for his life? Steadfast resistance. You know, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. In this case, it took a lot of long time for them to run away, but he kept on resisting anyway. Another steadfast resistance. Now look at verse 12. 
And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him. Nehemiah was a man of perception. He could see through things. You know, we need men and women of discernment that can see through it. And it knows what's going on. And if you and I would ask, we need to ask God for that kind of, of perception that Nehemiah had. Look what he says. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, that he, but that he had pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They had hired him to do this. He was a hired prophet, wasn't he? Nehemiah. You'll find on later on where there were close, there were relatives, friends, there, they were political uh, cronies, you might say. When you get people all together that are plotting against what is good, you can get quite a crowd on your side. And that's exactly what was happening against Nehemiah, but he had enough sense to know what was going on. You and I need to have enough wisdom and perception and spiritual discernment to know what's going on. And so verse 12 but that he pronounced his, this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sinballat had hired him. He was a hired uh, prophet. Now look at verse 13. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid, and do so in sin. He was hired that I should be afraid. Look at Psalm 56, verse 3. I'll read it to you. Psalm 56, verse 3 says, What, ta- what time I am afraid, and we all get afraid once in a while, I will trust in thee. It says, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. All of us need this in times of being in fear. All of us have had to experience this from time to time. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Remember that scripture we gave you? Time and time again. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. Has anyone ever memorized that? I've tried to encourage you to. But if you want to memorize that, it's good. It says, Isaiah 54, verse 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So, the weapons can come from every side. If you're serving God, and you're faithfully, truthfully serving God, you can let the arrows fly. And in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us to put on that whole armor of God and the shield of faith that will protect us from all the arrows of the wicked that's flying against us. So, take your stand. Paul says, And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto. So, we have to take God's Word and God's Spirit to be guided and protected against the onslaughts of the enemy. Now in verse uh, 14, well, wait a minute, verse 13, we're not through with that. I want you to notice what it is here. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin, and do so and sin. When we begin to trust in man and we begin to fear man, we're not having faith. And the opposite of faith is what? You know, doubt. And doubt is, brings us into sin, because we should not doubt. We should have faith in God. That I should be afraid and do so and sin. That they might have, that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. They might prove that his work was not of God if he became afraid and did not have faith and did not trust God. So this was another defeat for the enemy. Remember, he stood steadfast in the first resistance. Now he's standing... Uh, Steadfast, and there's another resistance, and the enemy is defeated again. In verse uh, 
14, here's an appeal unto God. Again, notice how many times uh, Nehemiah prays. On verse, look, look back in verse uh, 9, it says, uh, Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. When, he, when they would try to weaken his hands, he says, God, strengthen my hands. Has anyone ever tried to weaken your hands in what you want to do for God? When they do, say, God, strengthen my hands. Has anyone ever tried to, to do what they were doing here and and he turned around in verse 14 says, My God, think upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works. And on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have me uh, have put me in fear. Think upon these folks that try to make me afraid to do God's work. Remember 2 Timothy 4 verse 14. Let me read this for you. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. It says this. Paul is speaking concerning some of his problems with some folks. And he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. What did he say about it? I'm going to get even? No. He says, the Lord reward him according to his work. He said, I turn that over to God. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much evil. And he says, the Lord reward him according to his works. Isn't that what Nehemiah was saying back here? Look, my God, think thou upon, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works. He turned it over to God, didn't he? 1 Corinthians 5 verse 13 is another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 13. It says this. But them that are without, God judges. Them that are without, God judges. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So God takes care of those that are without. Those that are within the church, the Christians themselves in a certain respect, there was a discipline to be ministered. There were things that should be done in the way that Christians should discipline. But, and we should correct one another and help one another with our problems and things that go on. So, anyway, Nehemiah was using good sense in how to deal with his enemies. He didn't get angry and didn't say, well, I'm going out there and I'm going to get even with these folks. They've been plotting against me and I'm tired of it. And You know, he didn't do that, did he? That's no way to handle the situation. In the Proverbs, it says something about a man handling a matter wisely. You and I need to learn to handle matters wisely. And I speak to myself as well as you. All right? Look at verse, notice verse 14 again. That would have put me in fear. They wanted to put him in fear. Now verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month of Elu in 50 and 2 days. Another triumph of faith. The wall was finished. The work that he set about doing. Now suppose he had compromised and went down there the first time and started counseling with these fellows that were trying to uh, get him to stop the work on the wall. He'd gone 23 miles away, down there away from what he was doing, and just sit there and talk with them. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's what they were. Psalm 1, verse 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And what? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So he had no business going down there. Now I want you to notice. Then the wall would not have been finished in 50 and 2 days. You spend half of that time arguing about no purpose or cause at all. Well, then how would you finish the wall in the 52 days? He finished the wall because he stayed at the work. And if you and I are to finish doing a job, we have to stay at the work. I remember Daryl the other night. He was... <laughs> had a thing going on the computer. And I said, Daryl, 
give it up for tonight. Rest tonight. And he said, well, it's easier to finish than it is to start over. And sure enough, he stayed till it was finished. Everybody has to, sometimes we have to stay late to do the work. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's easier to stay at it than to quit and then go back, isn't it? All of us know that in construction or whatever work we're in. Just don't go back and retrace your steps and have to start from scratch when you could have been through it another 30 minutes or an hour or two hours. When you pick up there, well, next time, well, you got to go through the whole process. So, in verse 20, uh, 15, So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month Elud in 50 and 2 days. This is another triumph of faith. You know, Jesus says, I have finished the work. In his great high priestly prayer, he says, Father, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. I finished it. John 17, verse 4, I believe it is. John 17 is that great high priestly prayer. And you know, if you and I will finish the work. And let's notice verse 16. And it came to pass that when our enemies had heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes... For they perceive that this work was wrought of our God. Sometimes people will open their eyes and they say, Well, you know, God must be in that thing. When the walls were built, when He couldn't be, when He would not yield to compromise, when He would not be uh, come down from the work, when He kept on faithfully, when He had everyone in their position and in their place, and everyone filled His place, and all of these workers were around the wall. We read in the third chapter how they compassed the whole city and they went from one gate to another and the gates were set up on their hinges and the wall was being reconstructed and the breaches or the gaps in the wall were being put back together. And those uh, enemies said, well, what are they going to do? Revive this out of this heap of rubbish? Well, they did. And after it was done, someone said, well, you know, God must have been in it. The Lord must have been there. I like that. Because when He's in it, it's not going to fail. You know, this little church has been here for... 40 plus years. And really, some way or another, I believe God was in it. And I believe He's still in it. And I believe He's going to be in it from now on. And it's up to you and I to stay true to God and stay true to His Word, not compromise with the enemies that try to upset us, say, we're going to go ahead anyway. You know, we're just going to go ahead and do it because God said it was a good work. And we're, going to, we're not going to come down from it. We're going to keep on. I was thrilled when some of the... Well, Melissa asked me, said, well, you know... Uh, I want some names so I can get some of these kiddos out. And I had given her some names. And, we, and everyone, if we'll invite our boys and girls, the children, and we don't care what class they go in. We want them in every class. You say, well, they're not in my class. That doesn't make a bit of difference if they're in someone else's, get them in there. You say, well, they're grown-ups. They'll be in Brother Joyce's class. Well, I like that too. You can get them out here. I don't mind. The more the merrier. The Bible says five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. So there is strength in unity, isn't there not? Have you ever put a board together or something and you put one nail in it and the thing whirls around, you know, it just goes around and around. You put two nails in it, it's a little more steady. You put the third one in it, it's pretty strong. It's the same way with a rope. The Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. That's why they twist those ropes together. Because one of them won't hold very good. But if you put them together, when we put our efforts together as Christians... And let me just say this, and warning every one of us, let's not get jealous, let's not get envious, let's not get selfish, let's not get uh, do the things that would cause God's work to be hindered. Let's all work together and say, God is in it, and trust Him to lead and guide every one of us. 
And he is able to do it. He's able to do it. Let's go on down and we'll close in just a moment. For they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah, I want you to notice this, in spite of what went on, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them, for there were many in Judah sworn unto him. Even in spite of this, there were many sworn unto the enemy, because he was a son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Joanna had taken the daughter of Meshelam, uh, the son of Berechiah. Also they reported his good deeds before me. They said, look at what they reported. His good deeds, the enemy's opposition, the opposition here. And they re- what were they trying to do? They're trying to make uh, Nehemiah jealous, weren't they? Now look over here. And they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him. They were... Gossipers. They were carrying one message from one person to another. Never mind that. Let's tend to our own business, huh? Let's tend to our own business. Used to be a guy that had... They used to have a, a little thing out of the El Paso News. It was kind of a daily comment. And one time I read it, it says, Lord, help me to keep my nose out of other people's business. Pretty good thing, isn't it? All right. And they reproached, reported his good deeds before me, and uttered my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. He thought, well, if I tell everything that they're doing, and everything you're doing, and uh, one outweighs the other, or I can cause a little confusion some way, and politics entered the picture, that's a bad thing in the church, too. We don't want politics to enter the picture. We want love, uh, uh cooperation, we want conviction, we want to take a stand, we want to stand for God's Word, we want to be about the Master's business. And, uh, you know, Jesus at the age of 12 said, Wist ye not that I must be about my Father's business? And we don't want to sling mud. Have you ever noticed when you get out here in the mud hole and you start spinning your wheels and slinging mud, you're not going anywhere. You're just, you're just spinning, aren't you? And so let's don't be mud slingers. Let's just keep on the, put it in four-wheel drive and Crawl out of there and just go right on. Well, I thank you for your patience, your kind attention, and we'll uh, get into the seventh chapter in our next lesson, the book of Nehemiah, and that'll be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock.